Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Hey everybody, welcome to Narrative Live. It's a Friday night. You've got nothing better to do, right? I hope. The term snake oil refers to Chinese medicinal exports from the 19th century. Basically, Chinese railroad workers working here in the United States and in other parts of the world use medicine made from the Chinese water snake. The medicine had purported to have, at least, uh, many cures for all our human ills. The claim turns out to be unsubstantiated, mostly, and in fact, many of them were just, uh, you know, exaggerated. Some of them maybe even completely fake, um, which brings us to, since then, we've had the fortunate intervention of science and research, which has resulted in regulatory bodies ensuring that, you know, we don't get sold snake oil. We get sold medicine when we go to the pharmacy and there are safety standards that come along with that and that's how we've been able to have scientifically proven and independent research and medicine that actually works for you know a couple of hundred years now all of that changed of course when donald trump rode into town with his merry band of choose your terms but i will use the word thieves in this case because in just three years they've been able to completely neuter the entire health government regulatory system. It's quite clear what they've done. They've been able to invade the system, tear apart all the safety guards and all the all the things that have made it sure that we can ensure our medicine is healthy. They've torn it apart. And they've done it all because, well, they've done it all because of money. Uh, and maybe there's more, but at least it appears like they've done it all because of money. Now, while he did that, the legislature spent a lot of your money, $6 trillion of your money, to save the economy. And I think people forget this. People forget that this is not the government giving you money when they're sending you these checks. This is you giving you money. You know, the tax money that comes into the government comes from people like you working hard that pay your taxes. And that's how they have enough money to go and raise an additional $6 trillion to pay you to save the economy. People say it comes from China, it comes from all these other places. Yes, but it really is coming from you at the end of the day. I don't know how much money you were able to get out of uh, all these checks. Maybe you haven't got any. Some people have got larger, larger bailouts because of uh, they've got payroll to, to support. Others have got basically $1,200, maybe some tax breaks here and there. Let's call it $2,000. Let's call it $2,000 a person. So on the back of an envelope, the calculation looks a little like this. For every person, let's say there's 330 million roughly in the United States, uh, you've paid in about $18,000 of your money or your future money. You've taken out a loan, basically, to save the economy, $18,000 of a loan. And that gives us all $6 trillion, which is what they spent to save the economy, or what they think they spent. But you only got back $1,200 or $2,000 or whatever it is you got, but it was nowhere near um, the $18,000 that you loaned in order to save the economy. So the remaining $16,000 is going somewhere else. Yeah, of course, some of it's very legitimate, important uses. Most of it is legitimate, important uses, you'd hope. But you have to be at least suspicious that some of it is going to people who have you know, bad intent, who might be stealing things, who might be fraudulently using your money to further their own wealth. Now, if that person happens to live in the White House or is his son-in-law, 
it becomes even more problematic. And that is the situation we're facing today. The thing to remember with all this money is that $60,000 per person that you have provided to the government is meant to go to stopping this pandemic. A lot of it's meant to go to medication, to, to research, to treatments, to therapies, to figure out how we're going to beat this pandemic. It's not meant to go to Donald Trump and it's not meant to go to Jared Kushner. So I've always assumed that the, and maybe you have too, but I've always assumed that the responsibility to approve and regulate drugs in the United States belonged exclusively to the Food and Drug Administration. Now, it turns out that that's not the case. It turns out that there's all these other organizations which come into play when there's a federal emergency like there is now or just in general. Now, I'd never heard of BARDA until a few weeks ago, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. It lives within the Department of Health and Human Services. When Donald Trump on, I think it was March the 13th, declared a national emergency around the pandemic, he gave the people who work at the FDA and the people who work at BARDA extraordinarily new powers, powers that they could use to regulate medication, that they could regulate research, it just supercharge what they could do without having to go through the normal application process, the normal procedures that would take to approve something. So if you're a snake oil salesman, this is pretty good, right? Because now you can get your snake oil approved by the FDA or the BARDA and no one's going to check it. In fact, they'll be thrilled about it and they'll write you trillion dollar checks because here's your snake oil, which is going to cure your disease. And when you think about the way Trump sort of parades in front of the media all the time, this will cure everything. It's going to disappear in a day. The vaccines don't mean anything. It's like he is Dr. Trump selling you his elixir for whatever it is of the day. He really is a modern-day uh, snake oil salesman. By now you know that Dr. Bright has appeared in front of the uh, House Committee. He says that um, politics and cronyism have been put ahead of science. He says potentially dangerous drugs have been promoted by those with political connections. He says this has been going on for years, actually. This is not something that's just happened because of this pandemic. And they've been able to approve drugs that are just plainly not good for you, or they might kill you, depending on which ones they are. And the one that may kill you is hydroxychloroquine. You've hydroxychloroquine is made by Sanofi, the French pharma company, and Novartis. Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, had a $1.2 million consulting deal with Novartis, paid through his essential consulting company. That's the very same company that Cohen used to pay off Stormy Daniels. Donald Trump owns a significant stake in Sanofi through mutual funds called Dodge and Cox. And at least three of the companies that stand to benefit from the generic form of hydroxychloroquine are also connected to Trump. When you've got someone like the FDA or the or BARDA investigating whether to spend money to investigate and to research hydroxychloroquine or to investigate or research remdesivir, it has a huge impact on the share price. You see the dark blue line or the purple line, I guess, sort of deviating from where the stock was going. It, it tanked dramatically. That company is Novartis, which is the company Michael Cohen got the $1.2 million lobbying contract from. And you can see what's happening up there. It's really interesting that when it turned out that they were not going to get that funding from BARDA and the FDA, their prices started to plummet on the shares uh, in terms of the share price. And then came the turnaround. That's when Dr. Bright said, hey, 
we will do some testing around this re around hydroxychloroquine because there is a little bit of evidence that it might work. It's also when the president was pushing, pushing, pushing heavily to get hydroxychloroquine approved by BARDA. And the light blue line or the blue line is um, Gilead. Gilead makes remdesivir, and you can see that it is growing well as it's researching through normal channels, gets approved by BARDA and the FDA. It hits a bit of a speed bump and stock price declines a little bit, but it ultimately recovers. It's true that you know hydroxychloroquine, thousands of if not millions of doses were bought and remesivir, millions of doses are being made. The thing that's also happening along at the same time is that the share price is fluctuating. Now, if you're a good stock market trader, I'm terrible. I'm not invested in the stock price in any stock market because I just don't ever make any money off it and I just don't know how to read them. But if you're good at this kind of stuff or you have your ear to the ground, I guess what you can do is predict the prices going up, predict the prices going down. If you're one of the people who's making the moves that might make the prices go up and make the prices go down, boy, can you make a lot of money if you make these predictions accurately. So the other thing that needs to be investigated here is whether the president or his son-in-law or the insiders or everybody else was benefiting by dumping their shares or buying these shares at different times. And of course, there is an investigation going on about just that. If you believe Dr. Bright, and one should believe him. We see too many doctors and nurses now dying. And I was thinking that we could have done more to get those masks and those supplies to them sooner. And if we had, would they still be alive today? It's a horrible thought to think about the time that passed where we could have done something and we didn't. He says that his boss, Dr. Robert Cadlick, the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response in the U.S. government. What's interesting about Robert Cadlick, and that's why I have a Richard Burr on the other side of there, is because Robert Cadlick used to work for Richard Burr. Uh, Senator Burr, as you may know, was recently asked by the FBI to turn in his cell phone because that cell phone might have evidence related to a crime. The crime in question might be insider trading related to pharmaceutical companies. So there might be an investigation involving Mr. Cutlack as well. Was there information being passed that allowed Richard Burr and there were a few other senators to sell their shares just before the coronavirus happened? or at least came to the public's attention. We all had assumed it had to do with this briefing that the senators got, but maybe there's more. Maybe there's something going on that we don't know of between Cadillac and Burr behind the scenes and these other senators, which could implicate even more people from the Republican Party, four senators in particular in question that uh, must be a little bit nervous right now, whether the investigation into insider trading related to coronavirus extends beyond just Richard Burr's cell phone. Thermo Fisher is one of those companies that requires a ton of attention. Thermo Fisher, uh, I believe, was only was one of the reasons that Donald Trump decided to finally call the pandemic a national emergency because that's what he did um, on March 13th. Earlier on, I mentioned Sanofi that it, uh, Donald Trump owned shares in Sanofi. Well, Donald Trump also used to own shares in Thermo Fisher. He says he divested of those shares, but in 2017, he goes on a trip to China and he brings the CEO of Thermo Fisher China with him and more. So let's take a look at what Thermo Fisher's really, really tarnished history in China looks like.
Thermo Fisher specializes in genetic sequencing equipment, which the Chinese government uses to map the genes of Chinese people. In Xinjiang, where the government is engaged in a brutal crackdown of ethnic Uyghurs, the genetic tests were done in hiding, cynically advertised as physicals for all. Instead of saving lives, the sequences were used for the unjust prosecution of Uyghur, Han and Tibetan people. Thermo Fisher says they've stopped selling the devices to Xinjiang, but who knows if that's really the case. China says there's really no substitute for Thermo Fisher's genetic equipment and claims they need the equipment to fight terrorism. The company is very proud of all of this. It says that China is their greatest success story in the emerging world. Indeed, when Donald Trump undertook his first visit to China in 2017, he took along the CEO of Thermo Fisher China, Gianluca Petiti. Here's a photo from Petiti's Instagram feed with President Trump and President Xi behind Trump's shoulder. While there, Petiti signed $35 million worth of deals with Chinese universities and companies. Now he's now been reassigned to another part of the company, but his replacement is just as fawning of the Chinese president for life, Xi Jinping. You start unraveling this thing it just becomes very apparent that you're looking at just one web of very similar companies and people and financing structures that all seem to convene um, around trump and thermo fisher is one of these companies that keeps coming up again and again and again now when i told you about what happened in wuhan which was um, a couple of shows ago I mentioned this particular general, General Chen Wei, or Wei Chen. General Chen is very much the leader in the world right now in terms of developing a vaccine for the coronavirus. General Chen works for the People's Liberation Army. She's a member of the Chinese Communist Party's army. That's what her daytime job is, but she's doing research with Cancino Biologics. Cancino Biologics is going to make a lot of money if they are first to market with a vaccine. And boy, will it be amazing if they sell that vaccine to the entire world. They'll make a fortune of that. Now, who else is going to benefit from making that money? Uh, well, there's two companies in particular. One is Cidic, who underwrites a lot of this. And the other, you're going to have to think back to the first story of the day today. Now, avid viewers of this program will recall that we exposed former Blackwater CEO Eric Prince's ties to an Israeli operative slash startup founder from the company Carbon. Their new boss at Frontier Resources Group was China's Zhenming Chang. He's very close to Xi Jinping. And it was under Chang that Prince's Frontier Resources Group began building these training centers or camps in China's Xinjiang province where the Uyghurs are being surveilled. Now Chang is the former chairman of Citic Group, which is like Goldman Sachs in China. They're involved in a lot of the big deals. So perhaps it's coincidental, but it turns out that Citic Group is underwriting Cancino Biologics. Now you'll remember we told you about this company a couple of weeks ago when we told you about General Wei Chen. She's the major general in the People's Liberation Army that is developing the vaccine for coronavirus. It turns out that two of the founders from Cancino Biologics hail from French pharma company Sanofi.
I think that there's evidence there to suggest that there could be a real connection between Sanofi and Cansino Biologics, which would be fascinating because if the two executives and uh, of, of uh, formerly of Sanofi are now running this particular company, Cansino Biologics, that is working with the Chinese government to develop a vaccine of this enormous scale that could be worth billions and billions of dollars, um, that would be interesting. Now, that doesn't mean that Sanofi is going to be the company that ultimately works with um, Consino Biologics to, to send this, uh, the vaccine around the world. Um, there's also Thermo Fisher, which I mentioned earlier on. It turns out that Thermo Fisher is building out $500 million worth of new facilities in the United States in order to fund what they say is vector research. Now, here's the announcement that came out a few weeks ago. So, Vector research is interesting because there are various types of ways you can make a vaccine. And it turns out that the way that, thermo, that uh, General Wei Chen is making her vaccine is using something called a vector. I have no idea what a vector is, but uh, it, this, in order to make these vector vaccines, you need to build out your vector facilities. And this is what Thermo Fisher is doing. I'm speculating here again, is Thermo Fisher Scientific about to make a run on Cansino Biologics or are they the company that's going to make the vaccines once they get approval from, um, from the Chinese for this uh, vaccine the People's Liberation Army is, is working on? And if that's the case, how did people know? How did people know so many months ago that her vaccine was going to be the right one? How did they know to start building out these, this, these facilities? How did they know that they needed to expand in the vector sphere? It seems to me a little bit more than coincidental. And then we should also be looking at Sanofi. Because if Sanofi is the company that ultimately lets two of its executives go off and start a company in, in China related to making vaccines, and it's purely independent, fine. But there's a reason Donald Trump still holds on to those Sanofi shares when he got rid of his Thermo Fisher shares. He must see a lot of value in those Sanofi shares, and I think it's worth watching to see what happens. By my count, there are five, let's say, now big reasons that we can find that link Donald Trump to the pharma lobby that he admires so much. You know, he's always been a fan of how they do what they do, and now we can see why. They're not unlike the mob. Um, in the way they operate. Abbott Laboratories, you've got Thermo Fisher Scientific, we've discussed at length. You've got Cansino, that's the manufacturer of the vaccine. You've got Novartis, it's tied to Sanofi, tied to Michael Cohen, tied to Stormy Daniels. And then you've got Sanofi itself. This was poker, a royal flush, right? I mean, you've got a full hand there of winners for Donald Trump. Thanks for watching this edition of Narrative Live. This has been Snake Oil. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download.